It's episode 16 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast. Today I got two returning absolute beauties, Tanner and Hayden. Uh, how's it going, boys? Thanks for coming back. How you guys Pretty doing? good. Pretty good. Thanks for having me again. Feels good to be back. Hayden's, yeah, thanks for uh, having me again, too. Yeah, Hayden's making his fourth appearance. Tanner's making his second um, this past weekend. There was a divisional round football, and yeah, it was quite the it was quite the weekend. Um, kind of some underwhelming games. A couple of them were some interesting things happened. Uh, what did you guys take from this past weekend? Hey, no, you, you go first, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, as a Saints fan, it, it fucking blows. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> Yeah. Here's to a hundred. Here's to a hundred million dollars in cap debt. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> At least uh, Jameis Winston showed some promise. With, uh, yeah, that was a that was a beauty throw by Winston. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he missed him, then I think he would have been cut after the game because there's oh, yeah. nowhere, no one within ten feet of what was it, Traquan no. Smith. It was 10.1 yards. That's what AWS said, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> My apologies, then. But, uh, okay. Tanner, what did you think of the past weekend? Uh, that was good. I didn't think, like, they were the most exciting game so far out of the playoffs. Um, welcome to the club, Hayden. Your team's no longer in the playoffs, so uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you I, know what? Uh, I took this... team made the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go uh, and, then, and then everyone proceeded to just absolutely roast Russell Wilson after the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, But I took this weekend and kind of compared it to the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight. It was deemed as like... Before the fight, it was, like, one of the greatest fights in boxing history. And then after the fight, it was, like, deemed as one of the most boring ones. Bills-Ravens game, it was, like, on paper, Lamar versus Josh Allen. It was really highly touted. And then it was 3 nothing at or, like, 3-3 three, three at halftime. And it was, like, oh, this is kind of a snooze fest. But we'll, um, we'll start in uh, order, and we'll kind of go over Green Bay Rams. Um, this one was interesting. I really wanted to pick Green Bay, and obviously it turned out to be the right decision, but I liked the Rams at plus 7.5, but that was before I uh, remembered that Aaron Donald was dealing with an injury. So... What did you guys think of the Rams-Packers game? Well, not well, only like, no. not only like Aaron Donald too, it's like Jared Goff's thumb is still all buggered up too, right? Yeah. So he's not playing as well as he should be and stuff. And then, I mean, 
it was a close game up to one point. Like they, I really thought the Rams were going to make it close, maybe force overtime or something like that. But I mean, Aaron Rodgers just kind of did his thing and cool as a cucumber in there and threw another strike to Lazard to kind of put put a dagger in him. So yeah, yeah it exactly. also didn't help with uh, Cooper Cup. You know, game time decision where everyone was like, "Oh yeah, it's just a small knee injury." At least that's what McVeigh said earlier in the week, and then nah. No, he's not gonna play, and that's a <laughs> yeah. huge loss on offense. Yeah, I um, I thought the Rams could really upset the Packers because if Jalen Ramsey was like focused on Adams, then where else could they go? Because the Rams have a good front seven and or like a front four, I guess, with like Donald leading the way. So maybe Jones might, if he can't get anything going, and Rams can maybe lock up Adams, then. The Rams could kind of get going on offense and take the rest. But as soon as I saw, like, Donald's dealing with a torn rib cartilage or whatever, um, Adams might line up more in the slot. So he might not be covered by Ramsey as much as people think. And the fact that Adams is, I feel, slept on in this matchup, and he might be the favorite in terms of like matchups and then golf with his thumb in the cold and then Cooper cup was out. And then I was like, wow, that was like a quick turn on <laughs> my opinion on this matchup. I thought it was going to be like, Oh, Rams could upset this. But then I was like, Oh wait, it's not like four uh, like bench players are out. It was like four pretty key players are Look, like it came out injury. than people thought. Yeah, injury or like the matchups just weren't what people were expecting. So, um, yeah, I thought Rams still played a good game despite all their setbacks. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of the last thing. You, kind of the last things as a Rams fan you want to be hearing right before the game is all those guys with injury, more injuries on top of the ones you already had, right? So. Yeah, because Cooper Cup is. Like, one of the gadget players where he has, like, a big route tree and he can kind of do whatever. And with him out, it takes one less thing away from Packers have to worry about and makes scheming the offense a lot harder. And especially with the QB with an injured thumb. Because they, like, ran Wildcat with Acres. Because, like, Goff just, I don't know, they, they just, like, kind of took him out of the game because of his thumb. So... It was really tough for the Rams to go into that game with what they had to deal with. Uh, any last words on this game, boys? Nope. So, no. Um, honestly, it's just... Sorry, yeah. what was that, Hayden? You're kind of legging out. Oh, my bad. I was just saying how Green Bay, you know, I didn't really think they were touted, but... They're proving me wrong every game that they play against uh, above 500 team. Definitely yeah. blessed with an easier schedule, though. That's all I. That's all I can say. Yeah, they're blessed with an easy schedule, but they like the Rams' defense still isn't a joke. Like they're still really tough, like in all all areas of the field, and yeah. they're still like Rodgers was really efficient with his passes, and Lazard. And Valdez Scantlin, they didn't drop any like key passes. 
or at yeah. least not as many as they're used to. So they just kept it simple, didn't go for like the big play every single time, but just for the field to open up, and Rodgers just kept it simple. And yeah, they really like just took control of the game. And it was a good plan by LaFleur and the Packers. And they came out with the W, and they're advancing to the AFC Championship game. And next game on tap is Bills-Ravens. This one I was really excited for. You know, Lamar versus Josh Allen, and the Ravens are kind of picking up steam. What did you guys think going into this game and, like, kind of how it would turn out? Tanner, do you want to go first? (laughs) No, fire away, Hayden. If you got a thought right off the top of your head, man. Uh, Yeah, okay. Uh, This type of game... Honestly, I can see why not a people love, but I love this game. It was defensive heavy, and it really showed that these two teams are ready to play, and their just offense needs to get a little bit clicking a little bit more. But I, uh, I said in the week earlier to a bunch of like people that I uh, was talking to, I was like, this game's gonna come down to one big play by Buffalo to really seal the deal, and you know, 101 yard pick six later. That was the final score, and uh, yeah, it, it sucks that Lamar went out with a concussion, but Buffalo's defense yeah. is, uh, is <laughs> my God, Tredavious White is is out of his mind. And I like Jordan Poyer, too. Yeah, Bill's defense came to play that game. They shut down, like, they didn't let Lamar run too freely, he only had 34 rush yards, and Gus Edwards is taking a lot more of a load lately than I've noticed earlier, but only 162 yards passing. I was a, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the interception that Jackson threw with the pick six, how bad that was. He threw into like triple coverage and it was just Bill's kind of controlled. Yeah. yeah, Bill's like defense came to play on Saturday and it, the like obviously Josh Allen, he didn't have to do much with how good their defense played. Tanner? Yeah, and I mean, we saw Justin Tucker missing kicks, missing kicks, which is kind of like <laughs> something you don't expect, right? So I just kind of, like, after he missed that second kick, I was like, oh, man, this isn't good for the Ravens. Everything's kind of pointing in the wrong direction. And then, yeah, I feel like the Bills... Yeah, like, very... Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, it's very uncharacteristic of Tucker to miss field goals and extra points. He's usually money from mm-hmm. the ranges that he was kicking from, but it just, like, didn't go his way. And obviously it turned out that they needed him, like, dearly, because even that it, um, can keep momentum going in their direction or they have something to build off of. And it's hard to come back after your kicker misses a field goal. It kind of damn, like, nothing can get going for us. Like, what's the deal? And then that pick six doesn't help. Just a lot of deflating plays in the Ravens' direction that helped um, the Bills. And, you know, I think the the Ravens' defense, man, they did their job. Like, if you're able to hold the Bills under 20 points and, like, your offense should have a chance to beat them. So, like, Lamar's got to put some of the blame on on himself, man. So, or just the whole offense in general, right? Like he, they held the Bills' offense to ten because yeah, that, exactly. So that's just imagine like it could have been a completely different game, 
Um, if they uh, don't throw that interception, because when because he threw the interception when he was like within the red zone, so there wasn't a lot yards. of yeah. So as soon as he kind of got past the twenty, it was like see you later, sayonara. He's in the end zone. Like it's a pick yeah. six. So if they just like kind of keep it safe and like manage the ball a bit better, then they're either they're in for at least three, and then and like, it swings the game completely different. Yeah, and like if uh, Tucker didn't miss those two kicks, it would have been a ten nine game, and they could have just kicked a field goal, take the lead, right? So yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of like what could have been in that game. A lot but of little mistakes that added up to being like a huge, like just big mistakes. They all added up on top of each other. And it was like, you can't yeah. recover from that. Yeah. And the fact that it was like Bills only put up 17 and those mistakes are definitely preventable. And who knows? Like Ravens could be in the AFC championship yeah. game. So it's crazy to think, but I. I like the Ravens' mindset going into the playoffs because they weren't um, the 2019 Ravens. You know, they weren't. They didn't have all the pressure on them. They didn't have to carry the weight on their shoulders. They could kind of play freely. And man, like I was, as much as I like the Bills in that game, like the Ravens, they were kind of. Uh, they got hot at the right time. And Lamar got that burden off his shoulders that he can't win a playoff game. He got past the Titans that knocked them out last year. So the Ravens kind of have some fire going into next season. And who knows what could happen, right? So, and switching over to the Bills, like, I'm excited to see what they can do deeper into the playoffs. Like, can they get, uh, get into the Super Bowl? Can they get past the Chiefs? Who knows, man? It'll be it all depends about Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> room service bad? Yeah, room service coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, any last things on the Bills? Oh, I got one thing. Um, I put in a Bills uh, future for Super Bowl winners uh, before the wild card game they had. So. That's kind of my pick is uh, Bill's Super Bowl right now. Yeah, what did you get him at? Uh, I think I got him at like 8-1 to one or something like that. Not That's bad. Sick. Yeah. They have a, if their offense gets going, then yeah, it's going to be frightening. Against yeah. the Chiefs defense, I could totally see that. Yeah. I also have one thing too. I said to, uh, I said to my mom and Shaden, I was like, if the Bills win the Super Bowl, I'm buying a Josh Allen jersey. He's <laughs> he's quickly becoming like my favorite player. Like I was so high on him when he first entered the league, and when he hurdled Anthony Barr in that Minnesota game, oh my God, I just knew that he was going to be something special. Yeah, he plays sometimes like a chicken with his head cut off. Like he just runs around there and tries to make a play. Like he'll be falling down and throw it back to try and get the play going, but then he turns it over and it's like. But then next play he'll throw a 50-yard bomb to John Brown, and then yeah, the next drive he'll run for 20 yards and hurdle some. Like he's crazy. You don't know what's good, what he's gonna do. 
Yeah. No, I love it. Which can be good, but also not good at the same time. So he's got to yeah. be careful, especially at this late in the season. You know, when things can get important, he has to be a little bit more careful. But yeah, that's all I got on the Bills Ravens. But no, I'm excited to see what the Bills can do as the season goes on. But all right. Switching over to Sunday slate. Chiefs Browns. Now, obviously, the storyline is Mahomes getting hurt. And but let's talk a bit before the Mahomes injury. I know I can't say this because I'm a Patriots fan. And how I've been lucky with their winning seasons and all that sorts of stuff. But, yo, I hate the Chiefs. They're so <laughs> annoying. Like, they can just flip a switch and, like, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. And they'll just... You know how much it pisses me off just seeing Mahomes on the run and sling it, like, 25 yards down and Tyreek's just alone? Like, bro. Yeah, it's crazy. He's, They're never out of a game, man. Like, can you not just, like have someone like have two people stay with him like how is he like left open in like these soft spots so often and then when Tyreek's being doubled you see Travis Kelsey alone in a soft spot around the yeah like seven yards downfield and then he just hits that and then you see fucking McCole Hardman he's on a wheel route and then you see Le'Veon Bell coming out of the backfield. Damian Williams is like, bro, <laughs> there's nothing they can't do. So, it's because Andy Reid knows how to use every guy in his offense, and he does such a good yeah. job at disguising all his plays too, right? I know. It's, it's insane how they orchestrate their scheme and offense and all that and how they utilize their players. Like, it's, it's crazy, but... Yeah, watching Mahomes like just dice like and just execute all these little throws and soft spots where the Browns were just left drained. And then he like that pitch to McCole Hardman where he ran for like fifty yards. It's like they have so many weapons that they can utilize in so many different ways, it's it's like unfair. But um Yeah. But yeah, so the Browns were like in that game. I'd say like I think Baker played one of his better games as a quarterback. He was making the right decisions and all that, but what do you think they had to do a bit more in order to take their game to the next level? Honestly, in my opinion, they kind of got screwed over with a uh, with a call right before half. You know, with Rashard Higgins losing that ball. That should have been a penalty. And honestly, there's there's nothing the offense could have done more. But the defense, maybe maybe better scheming to get more pressure on Mahomes to, to kind of rush him out. Honestly, I don't even know. The Chiefs are just so good on offense. It's so hard to scheme up anything on defense. Yeah. Because as soon as they scheme one way, they'll just like, all right, they'll just play the Uno reverse card and then... They'll do yeah, something bad. Yeah, it's so random. Yeah, they'll throw Mahomes in motion, and then they'll just not know what to do, and then it's crazy. 
But yeah, like I've never you... seen anyone put their quarterback in motion to start off a play. It's yeah, like, what the hell are they doing? If I was like, if I was a safety, I'd be like, all right, so this is how it's gonna be. Hey, we're screwed. I'm sorry, boys. It's like that Michael Scott meme, guys. It's <laughs> oh, we are screwed. We are screwed. <laughs> yeah. After saying before, he's like, I can go out there and be the leader that I have to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. It's over. <laughs> we are screwed. <laughs> Tana, did you have anything on the game prior to Mahomey being hurt? Uh, No, not really. I mean, I feel like the only way you'd think you'd be able to beat the Chiefs is if Mahomes got hurt. And Mahomes got hurt, and they still managed to pull out the win, so... I mean, it, I think he's going to play next week. It's it's a concussion. I mean, there's ways around for guys to play when they get a concussion. I mean, it's playoffs. It's he's, I, I think he's going to play at the end of the day. Yeah, um, I think he will too. But that that play looks so innocent when he got... It looked like just your average tackle. Tack? Like nothing, nothing like super high velocity or anything like that, right? It's just kind of... I think when he fell, he kind of hit at the top of his head funny or something like that. And that's kind of what I think did him in. But. I, uh, I was talking to one of the people I know. She's like a, a sports medicine person. And any hit above the shoulders, like any strain on the neck, can cause a concussion. Yeah. And that's what happened, right? Like he got pulled by the neck and maybe he just felt woozy. Obviously, he felt woozy, but... Yeah, it looked like he didn't even hit his head. Just the neck kind of messed him up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my dad said that any blood uh, stopped flowing or whatever to the brain, so it kind of like knocked him off guard and like kind of yeah. got him balanced a little woozy. Like anything could have happened, right? But he could have got like just even the slightest ding on the wrong spot and knocked him all out of sorts. But he was, like, down, and I was like, oh, was it, like, a crown of the helmet? And then the replay showed, and, like, almost nothing hit his head. Like, he just went down. Like, it wasn't a dirty hit or anything, and then he got up and couldn't move. I was, yeah, I was taken back, but. Then, uh, so I hope Mahomes is well, because I want to see Mahomes-Allen. That w- that's going to be electric. Yeah, that's going to be a good game. yeah. And didn't they already played not. this year, right, in Buffalo? Did they? I can't I remember. They, I think they played already this uh I think it was a Monday night game. I'll check. I thought it was like supposed to happen. No, I yeah, it probably did. But I can't remember. Again, Tanner, hey? Just Dude, I don't know what's going on. I'm about to throw this phone out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the Chiefs and the uh, and Bills did play this year. How did it go? It, it was in Buffalo. It, it was twenty six seventeen. Oh, so not bad. No, and that's but. that's like, yeah, that that's that's early in the season too. Like, the Bills didn't even lose to the Cardinals, so. <laughs> yeah. But I'm really hoping it's not Allen versus Henny. Because as yeah, electric no. as electric Henny was when he made that insane run to get a first down, I a full game of Chad Henny and Josh. I just I am praying that's not that. As much as 
I hate watching Mahomes play because he's just so nasty and he can do whatever he wants. It's just, I want to see the best of the best play. We need Not, Mahomes, yeah. Allen. We need it. Yeah. 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 So I'm really excited for that game. And but I want to talk about the Browns real quick. Browns offense. I think. Do you think Baker shut up his doubters? Or the haters of Baker Mayfield? Do you think he shut them up? For now. Because I think he played like a really good game. Like maybe the stats might not show it, but some of the throws that he made were dropped. I mean, his interception mm-hmm. was just a good read by Matthew. It was a, it was kind of a bad decision on him, like throwing across his body back into the middle in a tight window. Not the yeah. smartest throw. But I thought, like, he threw some dimes. And I think he played, like, a really good game. And I think if he can just, like, play off of that and, like, build off of that game, I think he's, like, primed for a good next season if he can play like that. How about you yeah, guys? Yeah, I agree. And I don't even think he has to be, like, amazing right like he doesn't need to be a Mahomes like that offense is built around those two running backs so if he can be like just like an above average quarterback that team's gonna be just fine yeah exactly and Jarvis Landry he's as reliable as they can get and he dropped a couple passes and then Rashad Higgins he didn't have to die for the pylon and he was like off balance he kind of got screwed over with the helmet with a no call on the helmet to helmet by Sorensen. But if he doesn't, if that doesn't go through the end zone, that's a potential TD for Cleveland and then play swings the other way. It's, it's amazing what trickles down as to being what are the important plays and how they result. So who knows how that game turns out if they end up getting that touchdown instead of getting a touchback. Or even a, or even a field goal. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. Like, if like, they get a field goal, then they go for two and then they're tied. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's Cleveland and Casey. I'm excited for what's to come from Cleveland. I'm sure they're going to be favorites in the AFC North, or at least they're not going to be three anymore. I think they're one or two, at least. Because um, I think every player on that team is kind of taking a, has taken the next step, and that Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb running back, duo is going to be lethal for um, the next few years, but yeah, this is definitely a step up and a bright future for Cleveland. Last game is uh, Tampa Bay versus the New Orleans Saints. Hayden, uh, just randomly, I'm just going to randomly <laughs> kick it to you for no reason at all. Yeah, yeah for no reason, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, like Alvin Kamara said, when you have one turnover, you're still in the game. You have two turnovers, you're still in the game. But as soon as you get to three and four, that's when it just it goes shit goes sideways. Yeah, and some some of their throws were unlucky. Like one of them was a tip, not the highest percent throw, the one that Jared Cook and like tipped off his helmet or whatever. Yeah. Um. But the other ones were kind of sus and didn't look great. 
Uh, Drew Brees had a couple good throws, like over 15 yards, but he looked like hesitant and shaky on a couple of them. He overthrew one that should have been picked as well. And, yeah. I mean, both quarterbacks didn't look great. No, especially at the half. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no. Did you have anything on this game? No, not really, man. Just the battle of the grandpas, I mean. <laughs> I, I really agree with what you said about uh, how Drew Brees just kind of looks like he just he's not sure of himself, you know? Yeah, he's not the confident Drew Brees that we saw. A few, like his MV, you know when Mahomes won MVP, like Brees was second in voting, and he had like an outstanding year. 2018, Man, the, yeah. The difference between that Breeze and even the Breeze you saw last year and this year, it's like two completely different players. Like he kind of fell off pretty hard. He just like he looks hesitant throwing it downfield and yeah, that uh, is, could be, that is could cool. be a lingering issue. Could be a lingering issue from what he had that rib injury, right? Yeah, he yeah. had like eleven fractured ribs. Yeah, and, a, and a so punctured, that, I mean, yeah, punctured that, lung. That could be affecting like his throwing strength and stuff like that too. So no excuse. Yeah. He's a pussy. Comes <laughs> back <laughs> a month after. Don't, after all that. don't give yeah. Aiden excuses. <laughs> it's the playoffs, baby. Come to play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but Hayden, um, do you think do you roll with Winston next year? Because unfortunately, like Breeze, he's is retired. I'm gonna miss the guy dearly. Is I wasn't a yeah. Saints fan, but. The league's better with Drew Brees in it, and yeah. I mean, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt. He has a bunch of records. Uh, yeah. He walked so Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray could run. You know, <laughs> the short, short QBs. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, Drew Brees obviously Hall of Famer. He's like. He deserved an MVP. As soon as he'd have an MVP season, someone had an even better year. So yeah. it was just like he no, could have won it like five different years, but he just kind of got like the timing just didn't work out. He chose to be good when someone was slightly better than him. Not yeah. even that. It's just like on most of the seasons, the team went seven and nine. It was a historically bad defense. And yeah. what can what can Drew do other than put up 40 points and still lose? Yeah. Yeah, no, but honestly, like what you're saying with Jameis, after him developing under Drew Brees this year, and I don't know if you guys caught it, but at the last minute when uh, he threw that last interception, he he was like tearing up and kind of crying, and he looked at Jameis and he's like, "This is your team now." Yeah, as I, I don't want to say I'm chills. excited. Yeah, I don't want to say I'm excited <laughs> because like it's Jameis fucking Winston, but at the same time. He's had a year to develop, and like that throw to that throw to Traquan, it didn't look like it took any arm strength. Whereas for Breeze, it looked like he'd have to take a five-step run up. Breeze would have under through that ball. Yeah. A... <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. So, I think Jameis, because in Tampa Bay, he was kind of thrown into the fire right away with yeah. not a whole ton behind him. Like there wasn't really a running game there. And obviously they had Mike Evans, but I don't think Chris Godwin was there yet, so he didn't really have much. So Jameis is kind of forcing throws to Evans and all that. Yeah, exactly. But no development either. 
Exactly. So I think a year under Breeze really kind of gave him the discipline of being a successful NFL quarterback. I mean, he still throws for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. He just has to be more careful about the turnovers, right? Yeah. If he threw half the interceptions he did, then he'd probably be a starter somewhere. But since he was so like careless with the football, he forced a lot of throws, and he was like a pure gunslinger. You just needed a year to kind of like, all right, what does it take to kind of read defenses a bit better? And there's not a lot better to learn from than Drew Brees. So I think Winston is yeah. ready to go, and I think they should give him a shot on this offense. But don't you think they would have done that earlier in the year, though? Not if it's Drew's last year. Like, no, why, wouldn't they, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't they put Winston in? earlier if they were going to do that next year why would they be starting Taysom for the games that Drew's hurt that's a very good point and I honestly don't yeah. have an answer but I think it's just because uh maybe a game plan like they had so much to go off of with Jameis from every year that he's played maybe not as much this year just because you know he's on the Saints and he's a backup but with with Hill there's no tape on Hill you know there's nothing of how he would do in a, a real-time game so I feel like that's why they went with Hill. And I was honestly kind of excited. And he went 3-1, and one, you know, so. Yeah, I, I know. That's why I, I was kind of thinking in the back of my head, like maybe Sean Payton's an absolute madman and starts Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback next year. Yeah, yeah but then think about it, too. I don't I don't know how much you, like, know of Taysom Hill, but he's he's old as shit. He's 30. He's had four <laughs> season-ending injuries in college. And, like, his his knees, like, when they said he had a knee injury, I was like, oh, God, did he tear his ACL again? Like, he's he's a scary guy to really put out your quarterback position, whereas Jameis, he fits the role as pocket passer. I, yeah, I I, I'd rather keep Taysom Hill as, like, a gadget player where he can come in and do whatever he wants than being the starting quarterback. I know they would have done that early in the season if they wanted Winston, like, they would have started Winston. But, I don't know, I like Taysom Hill as, like, he can be running back, receiver. He can come in for a couple snaps and run Wildcat. He can play linebacker if he wants, if someone's Yeah, same, same for stuff like that. Don't yeah. don't start him at QB, right? When, like, Winston's had, like, a full season as a starting quarterback in the NFL, like, seasons upon seasons, and he's he knows how to get the ball downfield and deep he just has to be more careful with the turnovers and i think he has a good set of receivers in order to do that like he did yeah. in tampa so i think start Jameis, and then keep tasting as one of those gadget guys that he can do whatever he wants all right yeah so that's wrapping up the divisional round moving on to the conference championship games we got uh this is heavy this is gonna be good um the two young guns, Josh Allen and hopefully Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game versus and then we got Rodgers and Brady in the NFC. So two old guys versus two young guys kind of thing. Um we'll start with the AFC, Bills Mah- um Chiefs. Uh who do you guys coming out that one? This is if Mahomes starts. Yeah. What are you kind of expecting from that? Well, from a betting standpoint, right now I'm just looking. The Chiefs are minus three favorites. 
Um, so I like the Bills at plus three probably. And then also I just like the Bills in general to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, I got my futures bet with them. So definitely leaning towards Bills in that one kind of. Yeah, no but bias, it's gonna right? be It's going to be a great game. Yeah, I'm excited. If every if they both play to their potential, then man, like we're in line for an exciting, exciting game. Like it's gonna be real good. I, I would think. just prefer to see the Bills in the Super Bowl too. It's like we saw the Chiefs last year. Obviously, yes, they're a great team. They're fun to watch. Let's see someone else in there. Yeah, Emma Holmes is already totally in there. Agree. The guy's so young. Let him be seasoned in the league a bit. He yeah. can't have he can't have two Super Bowl wins in three years. Like that's just I don't care. I want Brady you know? to hold the <laughs> record for a bit longer. Okay, if Mahomes you know? gets two this early, it's gonna be he's gonna run away with every record possible. Yeah, you know how fired up like Bills and Mafia will be if they make it to the Super Bowl, man. Oh my god, it's gonna be an absolute gong show. Yo, COVID won't be a thing. They'll just yeah, it'll be, like a, it'll be like the rage on the Capitol. They'll just like storm into the stadium. Literally, dude. Every oh, yeah. seat. Folding tables everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sir, I need to get to my seat. No, you got to jump on the table to get to your seat. <laughs> yeah, your ticket is one one table, one table yeah. crunch. <laughs> uh, but um, obviously the bills are not favored to win this game, but what do you think they have to do in order to dethrone the Chiefs? I say for the Bills to win, they have to keep up on offense and get lucky with one defensive play. If if that's what it takes, that's going to be what it takes because you know the Chiefs, they're high-powered, they have a, an average, uh, better-than-average defense, and it's the same thing with the Bills, but... Uh, I don't know. The Bills just have to go into this game thinking that they can win this game, but they need everything to go their way. Yeah. Yeah. Bills just Bills just need to, like Hayden said, keep up offensively and just limit mistakes, man. Yeah, I think Josh Allen really needs to like make the smart play. I think obviously from time to time you gotta take risks, but if it comes like uh, offensive linemen's coming at or a defensive lineman's coming at you and you just huck the ball up hoping for the best I think it's better to just try and roll out and throw the ball away or just like take the sack and maybe potentially turn it over so I think yeah like Josh Allen being careful with the ball and um, making like some sort of clutch play, like consecutive three and outs, and also keeping the Chiefs off the field. I think if they yeah. can kind of get some sort of run game, whether that's Josh Allen rolling out, like keeping the clock moving, staying in bounds, and just gathering up like a lot of the possession and keeping Mahomes cold and off the field, that'll get him. Uh, in prime real estate to take home a dub and book their trip to the Super Bowl. Anything else on the the AFC? Not for me. No. All right, moving on to the battle of this battle of the old guys part two. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, Buccaneers versus Packers. This one's really interesting to me. They obviously met earlier in the year, and uh, Bucks won, I think, 38-10 to 10 or something like that. Yeah. Um, in Tampa, though. Yeah, true. Home field advantage. The- uh, what do the you guys Packers got? did also start ten and zero or ten nothing on them in like the first quarter, and then just nothing after. And yeah. Rodgers played absolutely terrible that game. That was tough to watch. Yeah, I say, I say this game. If uh, who was it? Carlton Davis that was on Michael Thomas, or yeah, it was Carlton Davis. If he plays like how he did against Michael Thomas against Devontae Adams, then this game's over. <laughs> like, I, I've never seen anyone shut down a top-tier receiver like that ever. And it, if he can do that again and match it again, I know Rodgers has Scantling and, and Lazard but and, and Jones, but I think uh, just because Drew Brees didn't get Michael Thomas going, I think that was a big key of why they lost. And I think that could be the same reason for the Packers if they don't do that. Yeah, Thomas zeros across the board last game against Tampa. Yeah, he also so, dropped. He also dropped like three passes, which is so yeah. unrealistic from him. Yeah. Um, Tanner, do you got anything? I'm just kind of looking here. So when um, the Packers played the Bucks during the regular season. Yeah, Adams didn't really have a good game either. I'm just looking. I don't know, man. I just feel like Adams is on another level, and there's not really a corner in the league that can guard him. Yeah, because even when Ramsey was locked on him, he's still, like, his release off the line, it's it's insane. It's unguardable. And even, like, Ramsey is, like, the top cornerback in the league. Or one of, and it's uh, he can't really clamp him like that. I know he didn't really give up uh, Devontae Adams yards like one on one, but like just that release that Adams he can still cook anyone he wants. It's dangerous to see because I don't think Bucks have anyone on Ramsey level to guard him. Not so, even close, man. Yeah. So it's gonna be interesting. To see, I think it's Rogers' revenge game from earlier in the season, and it, yeah, it will be a it's see. But be that an exciting one. That's the thing, though. I like. I don't think Ramsey played press or man coverage that whole time. He wasn't following Adams like like um, Davis was to Thomas. Like every route that Thomas ran, Davis was on him. And if they do that with Adams. I'm sure Adams will definitely beat him on one or two plays, and he'll get open. The The Packers are good for finding ways to get Adams the ball, but if he locks him up for under... I say if Adams gets locked up for under 80 yards and no touchdowns, the Packers aren't winning this game. That's tough. Because even like throwing Adams in motion, like they did against the Rams, like Adams is deceivingly fast and yeah. just that release like looking like he set and then quickly running across the line man like Rodgers yeah. is quick with his throws 
And even that can be a deception play. Like, if Adams is running that hard towards the out, Rodgers can even just look his way for a second, and he'll take the whole team with him. And then he can throw to, like, Tanyan across, like, down the middle for a touchdown. It's, like, amazing what... Like, Devontae Adams could have zeros across the board, but he can be the reason Green Bay scores, like, three touchdowns. Just because he's such a decoy and X-factor that people have to pay attention to him. Yeah. And it takes the attention away from other players. That's true, but then you also think about it and you think, well, Jair Alexander... Uh, you know, if you go the opposite way, Alexander is going to be on Evans, you know, and he's probably going to stay with him for most of the game. Yeah. But it's the same thing. You got Gronk, you got um, Cameron Brait, you got Godwin, and if Brown oh, voice crack, if Brown comes yeah. back like and actually is on fire, then it it's basically like the same two-headed monster the team has. You know, average. Better than average defenses, I'd say the Bucks have a better defense. But a better offense, I'd say it goes to Tampa. Uh, even I think on paper. On paper, it's Green Bay. But in just in like real life or in like game time decision or like just anything like that, Tampa just looks so fierce. I you think about I, it. I was talking about the other way. I think on paper, Tampa oh. is a better offense, but. Green Bay. Just the way, like Green Bay is better this yeah. year. Yeah, they are. They're the number one offense. Just like, just I'm just I'm just talking about like the names, like Ronald Jones, Fournette, and then oh, yeah. Brady, and then Evans, Godwin, AB. Like those are just like big names that you just look on paper and you're like, oh my gosh, like, this offense is unreal. And then like Rogers has like Adams and Jones. Obviously, Rodgers MVP this year, Adams potentially Offensive Player of the Year. Like that's just destined for a great offense. And then Tanyan is just a reliable tight end. He's not like a Kittle or Kelsey or former Gronk. Like he's not on that level, but he's like reliable. And Zard and Scantling are susceptible to drops. So, but when they don't drop it, they're kind of speedy receivers. But it's it'll be interesting. It's gonna be a battle of the offenses. My key to the game for Tampa is you can't start off slow. They've had games where they go three and out three times in a row. They can't have that happen. They gotta score on one of their first three drives in order because Green Bay comes quick. And if you go three and out constantly and Green Bay quickly goes up like ten. 14 nothing, then Tampa Bay's in for a hell of a game. So they got to get going quick. They can't have a slow start. And just the fact that it's it's at Lambeau, too, it's like such a huge field advantage for the uh, for the Packers. Yeah. Do they have fans at Lambeau? Yep. No, they don't. Have about, oh, they do now? Yeah. Yeah, they had about oh, right. 1,000 in right. versus the Rams. Yeah. You're right. So, yeah, no, it's, do you guys have any? Yeah, uh, do you guys have any keys to the game for either team? Like what they need to do to win? Uh, I'd say for Tampa, like you said, start off strong, and if it has to be, match what uh, Green Bay is doing. It's gonna be snowy. I'm pretty sure the forecast already says that. So, 
the run game is going to have to come in key. And uh, for Green Bay, as long as they just play their game and Matt LaFleur has a great scheme for offense, then I, I like I could see either team winning this game. I'd have to give it to Green Bay. Oh, my God. Voice crack again. Yeah, I'd have to dude. give it. It's yeah. <laughs> I'd have to give it to Green Bay just because of the home field advantage. and uh, But I could see an upset in this game just as easily as I saw last week. So, I think if Green Bay's defense plays half decent, they're going to win. Simple as that. I think Rodgers is just a freak this year, and he's going to have a good game. Everyone knows it. You won't be able yeah. to stop him. So, um... Uh, across the weekend, what are your guys' picks? You can go against the spread or straight up. doesn't matter. But give me your picks and your betting picks. Oh, okay. Let me look up the, uh, the live yeah, I'll bets. go first. I'll <laughs> go first. The degenerate will go first. Sounds good. Um, I'm going Packers minus four to cover. No problem. Easy money. And then Bills, as of the line right now, uh, plus three. I'll take Bills plus three. And then just straight up to win, uh, I'm going to go Bills. It's going to be a damn close game. I'm guessing two points, maybe one point score difference. Um, and then Packers, let's predict a score here for Packers Bucks. I'm going to go 31 17 Packers. All right. Chase. Uh I like I like Tanner straight up uh with Buffalo. I like that one. And oh I, I like the Packers as well, but if uh if I'm going Bills and if I'm thinking about it, I think it would be so funny that the Bills would have to play Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I'm I'm going what was the line for the uh for the Packers and Bucks game? Minus three and a half My, I got. Um, I got I'd minus take, four, so whatever. I'd minus take Bucks. Four, I'd take Bucks plus four and uh and outright. And I'd take Bills plus and outright as well. And I'd say for the Bills game, it's gonna be 31-28, it's going to come down to a field goal kick by Tyler Bass. And then for the Bucks game and Packers game, I say it's going to be 28-24 Bucks. All right. Um, so I like Green Bay minus three and a half and straight up. And then I like... I like Bills plus three, and but I think now do you want know I like Kansas City minus three. Oh. And Kansas City straight up. This is if Mahomes plays. Yeah, yeah. This is if Mahomes plays. Um. So my score prediction in the Kansas City Bills game, I got KC thirty-eight, Bills thirty. One. Jeez, no defense in that game what? at all. <laughs> no. 
I, I'm thinking it's going to be a complete opposite. I think everyone's going to think this game's going to be like the highest scoring game ever, but I think it's going to be a lot more defensive than everyone's expecting. Yeah, maybe it, it was stretch. I'll go uh, uh, 31-24. Okay. For yeah. Kansas City. And then yeah, I think Green Bay's got it. 28 to 17. All right. So, yeah, we'll see. Hayden, we'll see. Hayden's got the double underdogs. That's ballsy. I, I just, dude, it, I just think it'd be such a funny story if Brady leaves the AFC East and yet still makes it back to the Super Bowl in the NFC South. <laughs> and how oh fitting would it be, be for the Bills, for, for Josh Allen to win the Super Bowl? Over Tom Brady. Oh, that, or that vice versa, if Brady beat the Bills. Oh, my God, dude. I couldn't imagine that. No. <laughs> but it'd be hilarious. Yeah. All right, boys. Thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll keep in touch over the weekend. And uh, good luck with your picks. And thanks, for yes. thanks again for coming on. And I'm Cheers. sure I'll have you guys back on um, later. So, cheers, boys. All right. Thanks for yeah, having no me, buddy. Catch you later, boys. Thanks again to Tanner and Hayden for joining another episode of Left Side Heavy, the podcast, to talk about some NFL football. And uh, now we'll be going on to my guy, Johnny Sousa, to talk about the upcoming UFC card featuring Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. I'm joined now by the one and only wickedly talented. Some people might say wickedly handsome, John Sousa. How's it going, man? What's thanks going for uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course, man. So how are you doing? It was days? inevitable, you know. We we're gonna do it one of these days. Of course, I had to have you on. Well, I gotta attach myself now before you blow up. So exactly. Some cloud out of it later. I think that's what you kids call it, or. <laughs> I can be like, you know, a background dancer in your TikToks or whatever you guys are doing. <laughs> you just see John in the background doing the WAP challenge. and <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, yeah, this whole pandemic's got everyone going crazy, but um, there isn't a whole lot to do. But uh, what have you been up to? What have you been doing to keep yourself sane? Or at least... Trying to keep yourself sane. Well, if I, I mean, that's implying I started out sane, which I think is a little debatable by the people who know me. But, uh, man, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, for the first three weeks of it, I kind of liked it. Just because, like, you know, I was waking up without an alarm every day. I'm kind of like, oh, it's like a little reset. Yeah. 10 months or whatever it's been later. Yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> like, every day you just wake up. <laughs> like what's on fire like some days I run out screaming in the street <laughs> I'm just like, oh, John's at it again yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah I don't know man you know like obviously like everyone else like you know you mix in a little Netflix a little Disney plus yeah it doesn't hurt you know like I'm a gamer so obviously a lot of time getting frustrated on my Xbox and then uh have you Thanks. broken any controllers during the pandemic? <laughs> <In> the <past. laughs> 
now I'm just like old and accept I'm not that good. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I just lie every time. And I'm like, he's probably cheating. Probably. Yeah. I, uh, I saw this thing and it was like, I, uh, this guy tweeted, he's like, I'm so bad at Madden that I lied to the guy and said I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one where I'd screw it up if my mic's on. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a condition? Why do you sound like that? <laughs> you know? And other than that, man, I got to say, like, I was very skeptical and kind of nervous about sports taking place during this. I was one of those people who, like, obsessively was, like, reading everything to do with COVID when it started. And from what I was reading, I was like, there's no way this is going to work. Yeah. It sounds too dangerous. But you underestimate, like, you know, some of these sports companies, you know, they're worth, there's a reason they're billion dollar companies. They have, yeah, the, they know what they're doing. And I have to say, like, you know, we don't need to tease it. You brought me on to talk UFC. And like, I genuinely think maybe outside of doing the bubble, the UFC's probably done the best job in regards to how they're doing the COVID stuff. Of course, fighters have gotten it and yeah. like they've had some issues, but. <sighs> Man, you look at what's going on with the NBA right now throughout the NFL season, scrapping yeah. last minute, you know, because the numbers like 53 people on a team, 20 plus people on a team. MMA, it's a guy fighting another guy, maybe two or three coaches. Yeah. Training partner. You know, like the, it's just a smaller number to work with. Yeah, because NHL is really tough because you got players sitting on the bench right next to each other and you got the dressing rooms, you got the showers, you got the equipment training staff and mm-hmm. all that sorts of stuff. It's really hard to keep everyone like healthy. That's why they got these taxi squads and all that. But NBA, like you see games getting postponed left, right, and center. Um, NFL, I think they did like an excellent job in my opinion in getting games rescheduled, having to play, like they're like we're gonna have to play Tuesday or Wednesday games to keep this going. We're gonna do anything we can, everything we can to keep the schedule on track. And like we'll have football seven days a week if yeah. we have to, right? So, but yeah, UFC right from the get go, they were one of the first sports to come back after the break. I think the first, technically. Yeah, they were. Yeah, the I first. And, like they they definitely caught shit. A lot of people thought they shouldn't. Yeah. Have done it. You know, I think now what you're seeing, especially like with the upcoming event, this whole Fight Island thing, like you're doing two day quarantine in Vegas, fly out to the island, tested, two day quarantine in your room. Once you're confirmed, you're allowed to train, but only with who you came with. And then you're multiple tests from there, tested before the fight, tested after the fight. Yeah. as far as you can go, I mean, what's a perfect answer, right? It's an unprecedented event. In yeah. time living. Like who's to say who's doing great or not. I think considering the environment, you kind of have to tip your hat a little bit. Exactly. I think Dana White's done a great job with controlling the breakout amongst UFC fighters because with the, it's one of the most contact sports you can oh. think of. It's literally two guys <laughs> neck and neck with each other for, like minutes upon minutes right and um because i think golf like you're it's a social distance sport like you're never really next to a guy except your caddy 
hockey, one thing you got to worry about is hitting and fighting and all that. But you gen, it's you can't distance yourself at all. Like, but UFC, you're the whole point of the sport is to literally get up close to one another. So controlling an outbreak, like a sport like UFC. That's really tough to do, and I think Dana White's done a really good job with that. I think I only heard of like one, and it was like right at the beginning when I think it was the was it Mazdadov and Usman. Yeah, Gilbert and, Burns having to pull out. Yeah, like right before, like that fight got canceled. That was like one a of the ton, few that I've heard of. A ton have. Yeah, as someone who watches pretty much every event, like there were weeks there where. I think there was a five-week run where every main event changed because of wow. Because you got to think, like, the UFC, unlike all the sports you just referenced, it's global. And I mean global in, oh, there's Brazilian. Like, they come from all over the world, man. This card we're going to talk about, there's a couple of fights I want to point out for some people who maybe are tuning in just for the main and co-main, which, fair enough, you should. There are some fights on here that are incredible. But when you hear these names, it'll tell you, like, these people are coming from Morocco, you know, uh, Kazakhstan, you know, so international travel, different countries having different issues, some places doing much worse, much better with COVID. So it's tough, man. It's, it, it's, if they're going to host it and have it inevitably, yeah, you're going to, you're going to have guys and girls who are going to get it. It's just, you know, and the UFC's yeah. tried to fill it in and make it work. You know, that Masvidal Usman fight, sold it was the second highest selling card of the year and there's no denying that's because i love gilbert burns jorge masvidal is a way bigger star right now yeah after that bmf fight all of a sudden jorge's like transcended where he was is that the one when he came in with the flying knee right at the right off the bat that was no so that was the that was ben Askren. that was the like four second knockout incredible. yeah and then they gave him, that's when he fought Nate Diaz and they invented the bad motherfucker belt and they had The Rock present it and they kind of made a, spe- the whole thing was like, George and Nate are notorious like street fighters, gangsters, they're clearly authentic. Everyone, yeah. like, you know, part of the fight game, like the guy we're here to talk about, like what's great about Connor? Why do people, why is he the superstar? Well, his mouth. Yeah, and he sells the fight. Yeah. Like nobody cares, like, you can talk all you can talk all that shit all the time. If you get in there and you get Ben Askren clowned, nobody cares. Yeah. From that. You gotta be a guy where it's like Jorge Masvidal knocks out Darren Till in his hometown, interviewed backstage, a local fighter comes up and talks shit to him, and he sucker punches him three times. That's the shit, like that's what people see and they go, yeah. Oh, that's a real dude. It's yeah. like, <laughs> There's no in the funk with him, you know. <laughs> yeah, like McGregor, um, going up to, and he fought. What was it, Eddie Alvarez? And he was like talking a bunch of shit. There was even a fan at the. It was not the weigh-ins, but it was like the press conference or whatever. And he was, it was you know how like fans get to ask questions and all that. And he was like, "You say Connor isn't a professional fighter, but you've only gone." F- five rounds twice in your career and one of them you got knocked out and he started talking a bunch of shit to eddie alvarez yeah and then mcgregor was like he was laughing and he was egging the fan on and then he was just 
giving f-bombs eddie alvarez and all that like mcgregor has a whole crowd behind him and he's like i feel like some people take a mcgregor fight knowing that they're outmatched but they know that the paycheck is going to be big because mcgregor sells any fights that he's a part of oh and undeniably and i think i'll say this there are times where i'm like i think you know you don't have a great chance, but I think these guys, the way they're wired to consider like your job. Yeah. Having millions of people watch you get locked in a cage and the risk of being knocked out by this man and all this stuff. It's like, I think they all also believe they can. Oh, 100%. You gotta have the, you can't succeed in the sport if you don't think you can win. They obviously know, but if, they're just like, you know, I want to fight McGregor just because I know I'm going to, like, if I, take, yeah, if I take an ass, yeah, if I take an ass beating, I yeah, exactly. Like, they know that it's like, if I take an ass beating, I know I'm going to have enough money to take maybe a fight off to recover, but I know I'm going to have, like, a decent bag to go with it because oh. he just, like, he brings in the pay-per-views and all that. Like, so. Was Cowboy Cerrone mad at how that fight went? For sure. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, to say it wasn't even close is, like, silly to say. Like, he just yeah. got steamrolled. Was it, like, 47 seconds or something like that? It was fast. Might have been, yeah, somewhere between that and just over a minute. It was very quick. And, like, he didn't just get beat up, but, like, you've never seen in that UFC an elbow thrown like a straight that smashed his nose. Like he just got absolutely obliterated. But is that the most money Cowboy will ever make in one fight? Undoubtedly. And Cowboy, like for him, look how many times he's fought. Like he didn't care. He's like, okay, so Connor beat me. Like uh, I'd fight Connor again in a week. He thinks he can still beat him regardless of what happened. And yeah, he's getting paid. Yeah. Like you look at Connor's like the big fight, the Khabib fight. You think Khabib cared about the money? I think we all saw him now. I think he still doesn't. Do you don't think Khabib's super rich? Of course he is. I think he's yeah. probably the most rich guy other than Connor. That's a guy where one of the great things about Connor, or the more compelling things, is like you're almost better off sometimes not engaging with him in the media, on Twitter, the press conference, because he's so good. So good at this, these classic lines. Who the fuck is that guy? And, yeah. You know, it's like, like the red pen, like he just he drops these gems. And if you're not prepared to go back and forth with them, the fans turn on you, you kind of get eaten alive. Khabib, you know, Connor's up there getting crazy disrespectful. And Khabib's trying to like walk this line of like, don't get too emotional. But we all knew it was like, oh, he's like. He wants to kill Connor. And that's what Connor yeah. wants, right? It's like if you're emotional, you fight emotional, you're not fighting smart. You're not thinking. Yeah. You need to have a game plan in there. Like he's another guy. Like I go back on forth with Connor. I'm a fan of the body of work he's put forward. I definitely enjoy his antics and character sometimes. But as you know, like we've seen, especially in these past few years, he's an enigmatic guy. He's done yeah. a lot of stuff that's not ideal or great. He doesn't that's... know where the line is sometimes, and he just crosses it by oh. way too far of a margin. Oh, yeah, man. And, like... To the point where it's like, hey, we know you're trying to sell a fight, but that's just 
that's taking it a little too far. But he just yeah. gets he gets so he's like a method actor almost. It's and like, I think the most brutal he ever got was with Khabib and like, you know, I think well it'll be interesting to see if he ever does that again, like to go after someone's family members, their religion. It was it definitely for me, like I should preface, like I'm a Khabib fan. I was rooting for Khabib in that fight. Um, it put a bad taste in my mouth. I thought it was just wildly disrespectful because it's like, you got to understand, like being a global sport, culture to culture, people are different. Yeah. Khabib, Khabib comes from like this very proud honor culture. You know, he's a very respectful guy to almost everyone he fights. And he always says, yeah, I'm going to smash him and he'll drop funny lines too. But if you respect him, he respects you. Yeah. You know, Connor made a point to like make that so dark and personal, like, you know, still to this day, like, I don't know if they could be ever is like, oh yeah, like I forgive that guy or that's okay. You know, it's like, you yeah. might, have. You might have caused some bad blood that it just doesn't repair. You know, Khabib was saying before that fight with just comments he'd made that like, hey, we can do this. We don't need fans. Send me your location. We'll figure this out. Yeah. And like, now, like he wasn't kidding. How did he react after that fight? Did he calm down? (laughs) (laughs) Flying eagle kicking people. (laughs) (laughs) It was terrible, but it was wild to watch. (laughs) Where does Khabib rank in your all-time UFC fighters? Just the UFC or MMA? MMA. Well, see, every time you do that, it gets tricky. I grew up, like, my dad, he put a he put me on to mixed martial arts, like, watching it. Pretty young, man. Like, we were watching really early UFCs. We used to, like, get up and watch pride fights in the middle of the night in Japan. Like, you know, this is, oh, man, 90s, 2000, and, like, it's been around for so long. One of the things is, is like, you kind of have to do it in eras because some guys who were crazy good and they're great fighters, the competition's so much better now. Everyone's yeah. way better than they used to be because it's evolved so much. Like the sports science aspect and all that. Like the- And everyone's well-rounded. You yeah. used to have guys who were so fundamentally good at one thing. Yeah. And not very good at other stuff, but it didn't matter because they were so good as a wrestler or a kickboxer. You know, they'd get like a guy who's like a K1 champion kickboxer, fight a dude who weighs 100 pounds less than him that only knows jujitsu. And then you get kicked in the head and fall unconscious immediately. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's better, I guess. (laughs) Now it's like everybody, for the most part, there's still, honestly, there's still plenty of pretty one-dimensional fighters. Yeah. You know, like one of my favorite characters in the sport is Derek the Black Beast Lewis. He's just hilarious. Like he's the my balls was hot guy. The thing about Derek is like up until maybe two years ago, he openly said he wasn't a good fighter. He didn't (laughs) like being called because he's like wrestling stupid. Just stand up like you'd watch him fight. And you're like, does he train anything other than just being like large and hitting a heavy bag? And he didn't really. But he hits so hard. It doesn't matter. Because yeah. if he clobbers you correctly, he separates you from your consciousness. So it's like, who cares? Where's the real wrestling now? Like, yeah. you got to wrestle your brain back in your skull. So to answer your question, like, 
all time, every weight class, all things included. I feel comfortable saying Khabib, for me, undoubtedly, he's top 10 for sure. I think when I think of like, who's the best of all time, I always change it. But a big, a lot of the time I say GSP. Yeah. Because of how insanely well-rounded he was. Yeah. I think if he was young and debuting today, I don't doubt he'd repeat much of the same success given the drop. I think if he fought the current welterweight champion where he was the king for a long time, Kamaru Usman today, I think he'd lose because he's almost 40. Kamaru Usman's in his prime. He's an absolute monster. He's going to be bigger, stronger. If you take Khabib, you know, 29, I don't know. I'd give him a real shot, man. I really would. I think age, the, you know, the lighter you are, the harder it is to stay long in a fight career. You know, that's why heavyweights full of old people. You don't see a lot of 40 year old, 135 pound fighters. Yeah. Because a 25 year old's going to hit you real hard, real fast a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Heavyweights, they're all kind of fat and slow a little little bit. (laughs) It's like, you got to win. So I definitely, maybe even top five, like there's no denying the run he had, the competition he faced, like, He's, he's amazing, man. It was a treat. If he never fights again, like he's a guy, I think pretty much every fight of his, like I got to watch live and I was always, always shocked at just how constantly easy it looked. And that's hard to do in this sport. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Who's to say, you know? Yeah. It's all like pretty subjective, but. I don't know, like undefeated record, and he's faced some pretty heavy competition. And I'm, I've seen him at the top, like on a lot of people's rankings, and it doesn't surprise me at all. But um, moving on to UFC 257, mm-hmm. um, main event McGregor Poirier. You said you had a lot of things you wanted to point out on the fights leading up to the main event. So why don't we start in order, and you can kind of on what you wanted to point out but what catches your eye well there's a couple gems like this is the thing sometimes with these cards is you pick a paper like i know a lot of people you order the pay-per-view you go to the bar for it you watch the main card there's a reason it's the main card they're purposely trying to like put good fights on there this is one where when I looked through the card at first at the prelims, maybe not a ton of names most people know, but there's some great prospects and matchups on here. There's, uh, I'm going to, I'll screw names up. So if anyone wants to at me in the comments, uh, just forward them to Jevin. He'll let me know. But <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy named Armin Saryukian, I believe. And he's fighting a dude named Nazrat Hakparast. How's that for names? Uh, <laughs> Nazrat Hakparas. Uh, I've been a big fan of his for a couple of years now. Really talented striker. Well-rounded guy, but really dynamic. Throws really interesting strikes. The guy he's fighting is a monster. That fight, like, no matter who wins that, that's like a legit contender stepping forward out of that fight, which is Oh, always- really? Oh, yeah, like, they're both very dangerous guys, very well-rounded. I think that that's the, uh, 
That's the final prelim. And they always put a fight in there, they think, is going to like the final one on ESPN or whatever, or TSN. They yeah. always put a fight on, they think is going to be just a banger. Okay. So that's a safe bet. Uh, on the main card, uh, Amanda Hibas and Mar- Marina Rodriguez, the opening fight, they're both, they've got incredible records. They've both looked great. Uh, and it's a strawweight fight, which is my favorite division for the women's divisions. I find the talent in there is just insane. Uh, so I think that fight's just going to be wild. Like those chicks are yeah. going to, you're going to see some blood and, you know, they like elbows, knees, great grappling. Like it, that one. Will like be they cool. do everything in the strawweight division. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm a big fan of like Amanda Nunes. Like she's dope. Yeah. But at this point, like she's just destroyed everyone in the bantamweight division. So it's lost a little bit of the magic where yeah. draw weight, like you take any of those girls in the top 10, match them up with each other. Any of them could win. They're all so good. Wow. You know? Okay. And then the next fight after that, the last little one on the card, Otman Izatar is the guy's name. He's Moroccan. He's fighting Matt Frivola. It's at lightweight, right? Great yeah. And their nicknames are the Destroyer versus the Steamroller. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is another awesome prospect fight. Like, Otman Azatar looks like, I don't think he's fought a lot because I think he tends to dead people pretty early. Like, he knocks guys out pretty fast. And the guy he's fighting, he's uh, Matt Sarah and uh, Ray Longo out of Long Island, New York. They've got like, Aljamain Sterling, Chris Weidman, uh, okay. uh, Marab Deshwalavelli, like they got a ton of great fighters and he, he's not full-time with them, but he does a lot of his camp there. And he's just a really talented, he's a dog, like constant work rate. Like, I think that fight will be another one that like, it's just going to be fun. Just exciting to watch, you know? Okay, cool. Um, any, any on the last two before the oh uh, yeah one. dan hooker and michael chandler get excited about it if you're tuning into this and you don't know a lot about mma uh connor and dustin are you know respectively i think they're two sec yeah, dustin's second like his ranking is second and connor's fourth i believe these guys are like six and eight or something so they're right there on the cusp oh, okay uh, Dan Hooker's coming off. He lost to Dustin Poirier in his last fight, I believe, last year. But it was actually one of the final candidates for fight of the year. It was crazy. Dan Hooker gets oh, wow. brutal scraps. Like he's uh, he's from City Kickboxing, where Israel Adesanya trains out of. They're sparring partners. Okay. He's giant for lightweight. And then Michael Chandler, the UFC, spent big money. He was actually with Bellator for years and years. He was their champ at lightweight and the UFC's brought him over. And for years, a lot of people, myself included, who have watched, you know, Bellator events and UFC events have said, Michael Chandler's one of the guys, like you could put him in the top 10 of the UFC lightweight and he can hold his own. Like he's legit. Oh, wow. The little, I would have liked to see him in the UFC probably two years ago, two, three years ago. Like I think it would a little better and like this is crazy this is the fight he's taking for his debut like 
He's going to be way smaller and shorter than Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker's so dangerous. He bloodies up like a lot of the people he fights. Like this is a tough fight and he's down for it. So I think that's very, very exciting. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. That's going to be crazy. That's like Elias Patterson mm-hmm. taking his first fight against Ryan Reeves. It's like, all right. <laughs> I mean, like, if you're down God for bless it. you. You got <laughs> hard to. <laughs> if Chandler ends up unconscious in 10 minutes, much like Elias Patterson, you'd go, yeah, and there you go. You know, lesson learned. <laughs> you make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, that division with Khabib, potentially just not coming back being retired any lightweight fight in the top eight you have to take notice of one of these guys is going to be the champ yeah you know the the ufc who knows if chandler demolished dan hooker they might want him to fight the winner of whoever wins connor dustin and make that for the belt yeah that's gonna be crazy um i saw a thing like why isn't mcgregor poirier for the belt yeah. And do you have any theory as to why that is? Or I want to get your opinion on it. Well, I'll give you the stories and then you can kind of figure out what you think it is. The official story is Dana said he didn't want to make Khabib relinquish the belt because he felt he retired under very extreme circumstances. The death of his father, who was his head trainer, he had broke his foot in the camp, so he fought injured emotional COVID, all this stuff. So he's like, I wanted to give Khabib time to reflect on it. Now, Dana just met with Khabib this week or this last weekend, I believe. And he said the talk went well. Khabib's going to watch the Connor Dustin fight, the Hooker Chandler fight. And if anyone really impresses him, then maybe he'll come out of retirement. That's his story. Connor's official story is he thinks it's not for the belt because from what he's kind of insinuated in the interviews I've seen over the past couple of days, it seems like Connor thinks because him and Dana were at odds this year, he leaked some DMS between them and Dana was pretty pissed. Uh, and they okay. kind of went back and forth. He thinks maybe it's out of spite. Like Dana's not just going to give him a title fight, but he did acknowledge the Khabib thing, even though like he's still kind of talking shit about Khabib, like a, a lot more subtly, but he's still kind of like, Pouring a little bit of gas, a little dash of gas here or there, where he's like, oh, how do you just, you know, scurry off into retirement? And he said, I think with Ariel Hawani, they did a long form interview. And I think he he ultimately said something to the effect that Khabib retired because he didn't want to have to fight Connor a second time, which you're like, I don't know, Connor, I've watched that fight like four times. It looked like he beat the shit out of you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how scared he was. Like, what what part scared him? Yeah. <laughs> he fought a grizzly bear at 13. I don't Yeah, know I don't he... think he's really afraid of anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, man. Like, you know, truth could be in the middle there. I, if I, you know, again, Joe Schmo, who just likes watching the fights, if I had to guess, to me, I really do think Dana's banking on getting Khabib to agree to fight Connor again. It sold more than any UFC card by quite a bit. It's the highest selling UFC pay-per-view ever. That rematch for sure could top that number. The yeah. storyline, the bad blood. And that's why I'm thinking like if Connor wins this fight and they don't give him belt and Connor's serious about winning the belt again, 
they're kind of forcing Connor to have to fight again. So all of a sudden, Connor, let's say, beats Dustin Poirier. Then he fights whoever, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, whoever the person is for the belt. Maybe then Connor wins the belt and calls Khabib out from there. And he gets that fight, gets the rematch. If Khabib wins, he's 30 and 0, right? The big 30 and 0 that his dad wanted him to get and like Dana wants him to get and kind of most people think he wants. And if Connor beats Khabib a second time, you don't think that's good for Dana and the business? Oh, that'd be insane. It'd be insane. Yeah. Crazy. You know, like, so that's kind of my guess would, would, would be that, but. I mean, Connor's got to get through Dustin Boyer, man. Yeah, and that's a good segue because I wanted to briefly, uh, McGregor finished Poirier off pretty quick in their first fight. Yeah. Um, what does Poirier have to do this time to prevent that from happening again? Ooh, good question. Well, they're, they've both evolved as fighters since that fight. You know, their, their first fight, I believe, was six years ago. I don't know if I'm six or seven, I think six though. And it was at 145 pounds. Okay. Dustin Poirier at 145 was a very good fighter. Dustin Poirier at 155 pounds is an elite fighter. Oh, like All right. Dustin Poirier at 155 pounds. People forget how good he is. Like what makes be- him good? What? Well, Okay. My favorite thing with MMA, like some of the things that compel me and fascinate me the most is like the style. What is a fighter's style? What is like, what does he bring? You know, when you look at Dustin Poirier, if you're to kind of like, oh, he's a, it's like ultimately Dustin Poirier, he can grapple his ass off. Now Khabib beat him in grappling, but Khabib beats everyone in grappling. Yeah. Dustin can wrestle. He's a good defensive grappler. He has great not world-class, but he has great jujitsu. He has a couple chokes that he's very, very good in. Uh, but ultimately, Dustin Poirier's strength is he he's a technical brawler. Okay. Like, he throws really good combinations. He has a good amount of power, not one-punch power, but he tags and hurts people quite a bit. And he's shown at 55, one of the things I think are most interesting is Connor slept him really easy. Poirier's chin has been crazy at this weight class. You know, he fought Eddie Alvarez twice. Eddie was often considered the most like violent guy in the sport. He fought him twice. One, I think, was a no contest because Eddie threw illegal strikes. And then the other one, Dustin beat him in a war. He fought Justin Gaethje, who undoubtedly is probably the toughest and most barbaric guy to fight survived him for four rounds before finishing them. Like he fought Dan Hooker in a five round war. I was just talking about how good Dan Hooker is. Yeah. A million crazy punches survived all of them and hurt Hooker a bunch of times. Now he got hurt too. He's yeah. not human, but he's, you can see it this weight. He's way stronger. He's way tougher. He's, his chin's a lot better. Now we'll see if all those wars have an effect on him, but you know, for him to beat Connor, you look at Connor, like, He's so fluid. His precision and speed is, is just, it's, it's, it leaps off when you watch him fight. You watch the yeah. way he moves, he leans, the angles he uses, the counter shot, right? Like that left, that left hand, we all know. It's like, 
the thing that Connor did against Cowboy is Connor's also a big fan of fighting. So he studies tape. He really analyzes the game. And Cowboy's a guy who notoriously is a super slow starter. Connor is arguably one of the fastest starters in the sport. He comes after you right away. I just rewatched Khabib Connor on the weekend. He goes at Khabib immediately. Comes out, push kick to the body, hands like he's not like he wants to get on you. He wants to yeah. get in your I'm coming after he you. He doesn't want to let you get comfortable. He wants no. to knock you off your game quick so he can apply what he's best at. And one of my concerns is Poirier is another guy. He usually takes about 90 seconds to get a feel for things. A little stiff in the beginning. I think he likes to take a couple shots, get a couple reads on you. Maybe like you bring a brawl out in him early, or if you start tepid with him, he'll kind of get into a groove and start coming after you. So if I was to guess, I, I think Connor's going to come after him pretty quick. Yeah. Connor's going to knock him out in 60 seconds. All that tells me Connor always talks shit. He says that about everybody. Yeah. I think what that tells me though, is Connor's going to come after him. He's going to come forward early. What does Dustin do to negate that? Well, if Dustin like suffered a bad concussion and for some reason hired me as his head coach, I guess I would tell him, <laughs> uh, you gotta, you gotta move, right? Dustin has a problem sometimes with planting, stopping his feet to throw his hands. Connor, you gotta move. You have to move with him, move away from him. I'd tell him he's a good low kicker, but he forgets to do it a lot. But when he's, he's moving angles and throwing low kicks, very effective and i think that's a good strategy against someone like connor chew up the leg slow his movement a little bit keep him at a range uh and then the only other thing is like don't fight him at distance fight him inside crash into yeah. connor a lot yeah and get him onto the cage even if you don't want to grapple with him just fight him in a phone booth a little bit because if you stand at range with connor we've seen like you brought up the alvarez fight earlier you can see if you watch that fight after you and me finish here, when Connor starts hitting Eddie, you can see in his face, he's like, shit. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> okay, like this is a little more intense than I thought it would be. And you look at the range they're fighting at. Eddie's a short guy, shorter arms. It's Connor's range the whole time. Yeah. You let a guy who's like lengthy like that, long arms, long feet, and knows how to use them, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, it's uh, Connor. Once he gets comfortable and he starts gaining control of the fight, and like he gets control of the middle, and he forces you to the cage, and like he's what I've noticed about Connor too is like his heavy hands. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need a big windup to really ding you. Like just a quick hook and a quick counter can like really get you down. So, uh. I'm excited to see how it goes. And um, what is your prediction for the fight? How do you think it's going to go? Man. Yeah, this one, geez. You know, I always have a little trouble with any fight where both guys are what I would consider kind of like you know, the top of the top, like the elite guys, it's always really hard to like think. I think this is going to happen because I really realistically see this fight going one of two ways, right? I either think, 
I think if Connor beats him, he does beat him pretty early. I think he gets him. If, if Connor wins, probably in the first or second round. The only reason I think that is if he hurts Poirier early, he's he's going to stay on him. And I know Poirier's chin's improved a lot and everything, but you can only take so many shots from Connor, especially once you're compromised. I think the thing that works in Poirier's advantage is Connor can say whatever he wants about his conditioning. You see it time and time again. He does wilt a bit third and fourth round. Like yeah. His workload goes down. He clearly, he does get a little tired. Dustin Poirier does not. You go look at the fight metric numbers. Like you're fighting Dustin Poirier in the third. Most of the time, statistically, it's worse than the first round. He's pouring it on you more. He's coming after you more. He's got great okay. cardio. I think if Poirier was to win, either takes him in a decision or finishes him late, maybe the fourth. Uh, I'm leaning though. I'm, I do think Connor is going to win this. Yeah. Um, I would love if Dustin won. I'm a big fan. I think he's a much better person, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> being a good guy doesn't equate to being a great fighter. Just look at Mike Tyson. Like yeah. he wasn't always shaking hands and kissing babies. <laughs> He killed pretty much everyone. <laughs> he could throw a mean hook. <laughs> you know, there's a reason certain people like the they're just they're wired a little differently than everybody. Also, tell people if maybe enjoyed me talking about this. Like, I really don't know anything more than being a fan of it. There's an incredible podcast called Heavy Hands. Yeah, Heavy Hands. They write for uh, the fight site and bloodyelbow.com. Great journalists uh, for covering kind of technical things. And they do in-depth technical breakdowns of fighters' techniques, how they see them playing out. And of course, they're just like anyone else. They're not always right. But the one thing they are always right about is they'll tell you going into a fight what to look for, what's unique about a guy. And you know, they've done enough Connor fights. I've listened to them cover him enough. And Poirier, I think certain elements of your game are just who you are. Yeah. You know, I think certain people, it's just, they're always going to be a tough fight for you. The same way that I think of Connor and Khabib rematched, always going to be a very hard fight for Connor. Yeah. Yes. You're just, you'll always be. You don't even want to say he just has a puncher's chance. He'll always have a chance. He'll never be favored. Because it's just you saw in that fight, Connor did everything right in the first round defensively to grapple, and it didn't fucking matter. He spent the last minute pinned to the cage. You know, yeah. in the second round, Khabib dropped him, got after him, and what did he do once he took him to the ground? Just worse. And then the third, Connor had a bit of momentum. Khabib gets him down at the end. The fourth, just mauls them. And it's like, that'll in my mind, it's like, you can't change enough in the time needed. If Connor and Khabib disappeared for a decade and all Connor did was grapple, maybe. But you don't have the time. Yeah. You know, you just, it's just a skill set you don't have. So when I look at Connor and Dustin, it's like, I actually would give Dustin like a good 40%, 30% shot, like a very live. There's a, I can see him winning this fight, but. If you're asking me who I'm probably putting cash on, a magic man, especially 
if Connor pays like Dustin's cornerman to like instead of Vaseline between rounds, put like makeup to make him look like an old man at an Irish pub, he's gonna finish. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're too good for my whiskey, Dustin. <laughs> That's clever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> with a mock logo saying improper 13 or something like yeah. that <laughs> that'll be funny too like that's how big of a businessman connor is he's gonna fight in the ufc octagon and there's gonna be a big proper 12 like he's a sponsor of the sporty fights and it's yeah. crazy it's yeah crazy. he's a guy like really have you ever had questions about like connor as a fighter i'll tell you this man Name an MMA fighter on earth who has less of a reason to fight. No one's richer than him. Yeah. He still wants it. I respect him for that, man. I do. Like I, I give him, I give him hats off for that. He's a frustrating guy to be a fan of because he's just done so many things that just, you know, they're bad. Like he's done a lot of terrible shit in his personal life and you can't really ignore it. But if you separate the person right? Just like we do sometimes with a musician, you kind of ignore and just take them at their art form. You look at what Connor does. How do you not enjoy it? Yeah. You know, he always, he always talks a ton of shit leading up to a fight and then everybody talks about the fight after. So it's like, (laughs) yeah, he's, he's a really polarizing figure amongst the sports world and especially UFC. Are you leaning one way or the other? uh, I, I th- think I gotta go McGregor. Yeah, yeah. I just like I just he just has like, this mindset that he just has a championship mindset, and I don't know. It's kind of hard to knock someone off of that unless you're someone like Khabib. But I think it'll finish like late second round. Or, yeah, late second round. Somewhere I think, in there. I think Poirier will last a bit longer than last time, but I don't think. McGregor will let it go as long as Poirier wants it to go. So is it good or bad for the sport if Connor finishes him like he says in less than a minute? Is that a good or bad thing? I think it's bad because I think but also like it'll give more reason for McGregor to talk, which will bring more attention to UFC, which will bring Mm -hmm. in more viewers. So What's a better viral video? Connor getting his hand raised after 25 minutes? Or you see a clock that says 30 seconds and a guy falling, headbutting the canvas. <laughs> Probably that, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> like, you know, my dad was a diehard Tyson fan. Like he loved boxing and he loved Mike and he would always get mad though. It was so funny. It's like he loved this guy, but then he'd watch two rounds and it would be over and he'd be mad. Yeah. It's like, that's it. And you're like, isn't that why you like them? <laughs> and it does, right? And it's like, you know, yeah, part of you is like, well, I want to see like a give me, give me two rounds. Yeah. Ten minutes. Let's see a little, give them some moments or whatever. But like, shit, man. Like, I want to see, you- see an exciting finish, but I don't want it to be over within 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, look at, uh, you know, Francis Ngannou. He's going to be fighting Stipe, the giant Cameroonian fighter. He yeah. he knocks everyone out in like two minutes. Yeah. And uh, he's like the scariest guy in the sport. I mean, just because like, I don't know what he is, 6'6", 255, just like, it's terrifying. It's like, he fought for the belt 
I think he'd fought like maybe five times in the UFC for a total of like 10 minutes. So you don't really know anything about him other than he just, he hits so hard it kills everyone. And then he fought Stipe. Stipe mauled him for five rounds. And you're like, oh, he kind of sucks if he doesn't knock you out. Since then, I think he fought four more times for a total of like eight minutes. And you're like, okay, but it's like, we still don't know if he, like, <laughs> yeah. like, is he good? Like, if someone <laughs> survives those punches, is he Like, yeah. <laughs> No one can survive them other than yeah. Stipe that one time. So you're like, I don't know. Like, I love watching his fights because like, I'm always waiting. I'm like, there's only two questions with an Nganu fight. Can he hit the guy? And he doesn't even hit anyone cleanly, which is even scarier. The last guy yeah. he knocked, he knocked him out with like these two knuckles. He's just like, oh, <laughs> he's dead. And you're like, oh my God. I was like, oh, can he hit them? And then for the other guy, it's like, can they not get hit for a little while? Yeah. <laughs> they just like wait him out. So I think like I would say, like ultimately, probably a good thing. Yeah. You know, because like Connor flatlines him early, gets on that mic and just starts talking trash to Khabib. All hell will break loose. It's going to be wild, man. Yeah. All right, Johnny, this is fun. Thank you uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I needed a smart UFC mindset like yours. And <laughs> um, no, I'm being serious. I always ask and you always come ready with answers and I count on him. And um, yeah, go check out Heavy Fists. Is that what it is? Heavy Fists? Heavy Hands. Heavy Hands, my bad. Yeah. Um, heavy Hands to get more like UFC insight. And um, follow me at Jevin.Lefave on Instagram, at leftsideheavy.thepod on Instagram as well, at sideheavy on Twitter, and at JevinLefave on Twitter. I've been tweeting a lot more, getting a little bit better at it trying to get some retweets and attention to the page just trying to grow in any way possible but uh intro outro music is savage by uh tom ivory featuring six man on all platforms um thanks uh thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next time i just gotta let go went from ducking and fucking and now i got put in the friend zone there's no need for discussion i just really loved how you get low but I'm dipping, I'm cutting the shorty, and we're being ten toes, ten toes. I, I, I just gotta let go, call me a Benzo, pay it all cash, I won't take no rentals, killing my.